This is the Risky Mix podcast, where we speak with those people changing the mix in the insurance industry. Sharing their personal journeys, their inspirational stories, and answering the questions we all want answered. You're listening to Raj and Katie. We really hope you enjoyed this week's episode. Today on the Risky Mix podcast, we have with us Victoria McLean, CEO of CityCV. Victoria has had extensive and global experience in the recruitment industry with specialist recruitment consultancy and top-tier financial service companies. She founded the global award-winning CityCV 10 years ago, working with individuals and organisations on anything related to career development. Thanks so much for joining us today, Victoria. Um, Shall we kick off with what you've learned from your international recruitment experience that led you to set up CDCV? Um, So I've been advising individuals and companies for 20 years now on anything and everything career related. I started my career in London, moved over to Sydney and then back to the UK where I joined a couple of global financial services firms and headed uh, much of their recruitment internally. Um, And for me, as a woman when I had my first child, 11 years ago, really took time to reflect on what was important to me and realise that city life and 50, 60 hours per week and motherhood and life was just a crazy juggling act that I couldn't really handle. Um, And and, and went through a process that we actually now go through uh, with many of our clients Mm -hmm. where I invested in a coach and I evaluated what I really wanted to do, Mm. what I could do, what I knew about. And ultimately, for me, the outcome was to set up my own business, started off on my own, just working initially with individuals in financial services to helping them move forward in their career. Mm, Um, And over the last 10 years, we've now grown to support organisations as well. We have a whole suite of of career development tools for employees, organisations and and individuals, of course. Um, And a team of of 25 now made up primarily of of writers, they're amazing, and, (laughs) and coaches also amazing. <laughs> Fantastic. Was it, was it at all terrifying to leave the corporate world and set up your own business? It was mildly terrifying. <laughs> yeah, it was. Um, and as a new mum as well, there's a lot of change and a lot to deal with. But ultimately, I'm so pleased that, I'm, that I made that move. It was the right thing for me. So, Victoria, I would love to learn a bit more about uh, recruitment in the financial services sector. So, It'd be good to kind of kick off with, um, you know, the trends that you're seeing, particularly around kind of women and, and, and their career journeys. You know, what, what are you seeing from a recruitment perspective? Specifically within insurance, there's a couple of major issues, I think, that are mm-hmm. happening. So firstly, um, there's this whole issue in terms of the, your consumer base is much more becoming more and more around millennials because they're spending the money mm-hmm. and therefore need to be recruiting more and more millennials mm-hmm to work within the business mm-hmm. so that they can understand mm-hmm. and, and, and build that proper relationship with with the consumer. Um, and yet often, although not here, I have to say, Raj, where the offices <laughs> are very cool, but, uh, <laughs> often the perception of insurance is that it can be quite traditional yeah. and maybe not that attractive. So mm-hmm. part of the issue, whether it's millennials or my other point, women and attracting more women into the business, we need to make the industry appear as attractive as possible. And there are many, many different ways to do that. Um, Yes, recruitment, but there's also a big area which we can talk about in terms of employer brands. It's building that brand, communicating that brand, how you manage the recruitment process, and then how to hold on to and really engage and retain the talent that you have. 
there's this idea that millennials want to job hop and that they're only going to be with you for five minutes. But in reality, if you can offer them progression, they will stay. And there's been a number of studies that have shown that millennials aren't looking to to leap away, but what they're looking for is clear career progression. And if you can show commitment to them and show that career progression, that's the most important thing to them, much more than having a ball pit or a table tennis. What they're really yeah. looking for is career development. Yeah. Okay. But we need to learn how to retain talent, whatever that talent may be. Yeah. So, I mean, clear career progression obviously is one thing that people are looking for. What else does um, the industry, either insurance or financial services more broadly, need to offer to be able to attract talent? One of the things that's really important for organisations is that they build and then communicate a really strong employer brand. So it's interesting because companies, insurance firms, spend a fortune in marketing, mm. thinking about their brand. Yeah. But frequently, that, that's their consumer brand, but frequently they forget about their employer brand. Um, and they also need to think within the employer brand who their different markets are. So we've just talked about millennials. Yeah. You've got women. We've got senior women. We've got women that might be returning post-career break. Yeah. You've got men, obviously, and, gen- and generally people maybe within your sales areas or the exec suite mm. or, or, or wherever it may be. And actually, each one of those segments, mm. exactly like marketing, will have will, will respond better to a different brand. Right. So organisations need to think quite carefully about who they're targeting from a recruitment perspective mm. and working with HR or, or recruitment in order to do that and then right. think about the right brand for that market. So it's worth really spending the time thinking about what's going to motivate those particular, sure. that particular cohort right. or audience primarily. For some it might be career development and career progression, for others it might be around the people, it might be around the culture, right. it could be about working with particular clients. Maybe okay. some people want to join a firm because of the type of insurance you do or the type of clients that you work with. Um, it may be about training. Some uh, people just want to work for a sustainable and ethical yeah. business as well. Um, it's really the whole package that will make your company a unique and rewarding place to work. So really it's about that combination of all those things. And for HR to work with marketing mm. would be a sensible place to start yeah. and to get recruitment higher up the agenda if sure. you want to recruit the best people. So it's about weaving that marketing strategy into the HR strategy and, and bringing them both together. Once you've built the brand, you then have to communicate the brand to the right audience. Personally, I'm a really big fan of using LinkedIn LinkedIn, to do this. Mm -hmm. And I know we've talked about LinkedIn before. It's a really underutilized tool. And again, it's used very much for the consumer brand and much less from a recruitment perspective as an employer. A lot of people, individuals, jump onto LinkedIn only when they're looking for a job. And a lot of organisations don't think about the LinkedIn profiles of their teams. And yet, if you're hiring, the first place anyone's going to go as a candidate is is jump onto LinkedIn and check out the profiles of the people that work there. So companies have to get much, much better at managing uh, the, the LinkedIn profiles of their wider teams and ensuring that they're on brands because mm. frequently they're not. Yeah. Often they're dreadful or they just are all about the individual, they're not very well written. And actually, if you're with Aviva or you're with LV or, or whoever it may be, your LinkedIn profile should represent that organisation and represent it in the right way to attract their target audience. Mm. So what I would recommend is that organisations review the profiles of their individuals yeah. that work for them to ensure that they're, that they're really hitting the mark. 
Um, we've recently worked with a, a really big insurer where we wrote the LinkedIn profiles for senior members of their HR and recruitment team. Yeah. And they found a dramatic uplift in the quality of candidates that they were getting. Wow. Right. Gosh. Um, so I, they're, they're, they're planning on then rolling that out. So, you know, it, it's something that a lot of organisations think, oh, I wouldn't want to do that because it's going to be encouraging yeah. people to leave because they've got a good LinkedIn profile. But this is about attracting yes, yeah. really, really good talent. Uh, on that, I think that, that's really interesting. I mean, could you give us some examples of the, the tweaks that you made to those profiles that attracted those kind of higher calibre applicants when you look at link, a linkedin profile the first thing that anybody sees on linkedin is your headline and yeah. linkedin give you a default headline yeah. which is your current job title and your current employer yeah which is probably i don't know 30 characters 25 characters you're actually allowed 120 characters in your headline right so and you just have to click on the little edit and type something over it so you need to make sure that's really key keyword rich and really on right. brand so thinking about right the organization as a whole the first thing anyone's going to see is that headline if it's boring they might think oh it's yeah. a bit boring mm. the next bit below that that's important is the about section where you're allowed 1990 characters so that's about 300 words right what we would normally do within that is in simple terms first paragraph about the organization yeah. really on brand next paragraph about the individual professionally oh, yeah. right, okay. and a little bit about that individual personally as well what really gets them excited right. what makes them okay. tick so that that's the formula that we would normally use um, and we would work with marketing and hr in order to yeah. ensure that we're on brand yeah before you know obviously before we get going and then for each individual we'd have an hour or so with them on skype or over the phone or or a meeting to ensure we fully understand what they've been doing and what their role involves now, but also what, they, uh, what they're trying to attract and, and sure. who they're trying to attract and right. what they've done in the past. Excellent. Um, the other thing with LinkedIn specifically, with all branding actually, is you've got to have a good story behind it. So yeah. it's not just about the individuals, it's about keeping that employee culture alive mm -hmm. and encouraging employees to... Um, talk and write about the company that they work for as much right. as possible in the right way on social media. Okay. So some firms that I've worked with um, have rewards for what they call employee advocacy. Are you familiar right. yes, with yes, that? Yes. Yeah. So it's really about rewarding them, possibly financially or with a prize at the end of each quarter or each month for promoting the business, for writing great stories, for sharing content and also encouraging them to like content and comment on content using yes. keywords in their posts as much as they can. And all this goes together to build a brand. Uh, the average network size of a company's employees is 10 times larger than the network size of the company itself. So if they can ah, get all of their employees <laughs> yeah. delivering yeah. the right message, yeah. you've got a really big movement there going forward. Yeah. Mm. Okay, thanks, yep. thanks, Victoria. So, so to kind of summarise then, so the key things really that companies can be doing then when it comes to recruitment is, you know, establishing a brand, um, really working on the LinkedIn profile of, of the kind of HR um, and recruitment people within within the company, um, and engaging employees uh, to you know promote that brand on their social media channels. Is there anything else from your perspective that companies should be thinking about when it comes to recruitment? Yeah, specifically when it comes to attraction. Mm -hmm. um, What's really important is the message of diversity and having a good narrative, a, a, good, a good diversity story and headline. 
the correlation between diversity and financial performance is clear across insurance and the financial services generally. Yeah. Um, and actually what's quite interesting is in a PwC survey um, a couple of years ago, they found that 70% of females in financial services looked at the diversity of the leadership team when they were yes, deciding whether right. or not they wanted to accept a role mm. at, that, uh, at that place. So if your leadership team isn't diverse mm. yet, it needs to be more diverse. Mm. And I know a lot of firms now have signed up to the Women in Finance Charter, which is going to be driving that forward by 2022. Mm -hmm. uh, but in the meantime, they've got to be doing as much as they can to get there. So what's interesting, and there's a lot of different schemes in place, you've heard of returnship programmes. Is that for um, maternity, maternity returns? Yes, yeah. primarily. Yes. So, less than half of the financial services firms have got any kind of returnship programs right. in place oh, okay. at the moment. Right. Um, the returnship programs have been really successful in helping get women back into the workforce. I do a lot of work with women, um, many of whom have really, really long career breaks because they may leave to have a child and then have another one and another one and by the time they're all at school that might be seven or ten, possibly even longer years. Yeah. But they are still great, great candidates. They've developed a huge amount of skill um, over that period of break, and the, the organisations are crying out to get them back. So yeah. by building this story around diversity, they can really attract these, these women, these people back. And they can do that by communicating their culture, by communicating what a great place they are to work. Um, yes, LinkedIn, yes, social media generally, um, certainly through job descriptions, using the right kind of language mm. in job specs. We, we've seen a lot um, of, of chat lately around certain words which appear to be more feminine or more mm. masculine. Mm. Yeah. Uh, being careful about the language that they use in those job specs and doing their homework so that they are attracting women um, into uh, by their adverts. Um, the other thing that's quite interesting is on International Women's Day, there's always this big push of all these firms saying, yeah, we're really great and we really champion women. But actually, if they're only doing on International Women's Day, to me, that's not very, you know, it's not good. Mm -hmm. If you really champion women, you these stories, you, you live it. Those stories should be coming out all the time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So if a firm's only doing it on one day of the year, to me, that's a big red flag. Yeah, we need to be hearing these stories all the time. And on right. their websites, when we look at their, their teams, we need to be hearing about women and yeah. seeing women in senior positions. Sure. So we yeah. need much more of that. So we've covered attraction. Carrying that on into the recruitment process now, what do you think are the key points that we need to keep in mind to ensure that um, the recruitment process is quality as well? The first thing you need to consider is the candidate experience. So as a consumer, facing firm, you would always want every customer, every client that you come into contact with to leave with a really positive, warm, fuzzy feeling about your organisation. You've got to feel the same about your job candidate. So anyone that comes through those doors from a recruitment perspective, if they leave that interview feeling unfairly treated, there's no place to hide as an yeah. organisation. Uh, they're going to tell their friends and their family. They may also jump onto the internet and write yeah. about you. They may also go onto Glassdoor. Have you heard of Glassdoor? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, Glassdoor has got millions of company reviews posted by former employees and candidates about yeah. those organisations. Mm -hmm. It's really important that you have top marks on Glassdoor. I think we've all seen firsthand horror stories when it comes to unprofessional interviews. 
I've seen some some real horror stories, um, particularly when interviewers don't know what they're doing. Mm. They don't comply with legal legalities. They just have really poor etiquette. They don't understand the red lines, really. Um, I have witnessed many interviews where the interviewer has not prepped in any way or even looked at the CV. They're checking their phone. Mm. Um, it, it just really leaves a, ho- a horrible feeling for that candidate, a really bad experience. Um, the other thing that's quite interesting when you, when you think about candidate experience is diversity in the interview panel. Yeah. So if you're a woman, uh, one of the biggest factors on deciding whether or not a female will accept that job is if there was a woman on the interview panel. It's quite interesting, right. I think. Okay. And a lot of people don't think about that. So if you're creating a panel and you're interviewing women, you sh- it should be a diverse panel. Yeah. Absolutely, yeah. every time. The next thing that you need to think about when you are interviewing or recruiting sorry is how you can address bias Mm. and I think what's important here particularly bearing in mind that we're talking about insurance is to understand the women in finance charter yeah so what gets measured gets done and that's really what the charter's about they have set tangible targets for balanced recruitment pay and career progression Mm -hmm. so this is a charter that's been set up by the treasury yeah and many, many financial services firms, not just insurance, but right the way across the board have signed up to this with an ultimate goal of uh, raising the profile of women within the sector. So within the UK, more than 250 of the leading financial services firms have signed up to the Government Women in Finance Charter, which in a nutshell aims to drive the advancement of women in financial services, and their target is to achieve 40% female representation within senior management over the next three years and gender parity over the medium term. And what I love about this is that by signing up to the Charter, at least one member of every firm's senior executive team is responsible and accountable Mm. for gender diversity and inclusion. Mm. Um, What's brilliant as well is that the financial services have now got really clear targets for gender diversity. They have to publish their progress annually on Mm. their website, so it's really, really visible. And that the executive's remuneration is linked to hitting the gender target. Because they're getting paid on it, they make sure that it happens, which Mm. is absolutely brilliant. Um, So the fact is, if you're setting these metrics and they're in place and they're down on paper and they're industry-wide and they're visible, you have to work to achieve them. So the Women in Finance Charter is a real game changer for financial services. The other thing that's important when we're thinking about bias is that organisations have to think of diversity and inclusion as a reputational risk because it's crucial in how the firm is perceived by its consumers, by its Mm. customers, by investors and by regulators. So often people think, oh, DNI is just an HR issue, but actually yeah. it's, not a, it's not an HR issue anymore. It's so much more than that because consumers want to work with organisations with a really strong profile. Yeah. So they have to think of it from a, a much wider commercial perspective moving forwards. What else can we do to ensure that we're enhancing diversity in recruitment? As we all know, recruitment has changed massively over the last 5, 10, 15 years. Um, Routinely now, most organisations and probably 99.9% of recruitment firms use something called an applicant tracking system. Mm -hmm. Are you familiar with what that is? 
Only very vaguely. So. Okay, so <laughs> the applicant tracking system is basically the searchable database that everybody would use. Okay. And it's a, so a candidate submits their CV, it's then screened by technology. If it gets through, it will then go through to a real human being. Right. But what happens is a lot of candidates are getting stuck. They're not, they're not moving forward right. because they don't understand how the technology works, right. unfortunately. 80% okay. um, of jobs that we find that you see online yeah. on a job board are built within some form of applicant tracking system. So okay. it's completely changed the way that, recru that people recruit. Yeah. But it's great in many respects. If, if, as long as candidates are creating really strong CVs, and obviously the CVs we write are geared to get through that technology yeah. as well as to get past real, real human beings, um, it does remove the majority of bias because it's purely around, the technology piece is purely around having the right language in your CVs and okay. much more focused on okay. achievements and skills and, and expertise. Okay. The other thing that I'm seeing more and more is blind CVs yeah. uh, where all socio-demographic information is removed from the CV mm. and the name. Mm. So uh, the recruiter doesn't know, once it gets to a human, the recruiter won't know if they're male or female, they won't right. know... Um, potentially their ethnic background, yeah, yeah. they won't know um, that they went to a private school or that they live in a particular part of sure. the country, where, which yeah. might give a clue to their socio-demographic yeah, um, sure. background. So Blind TV is becoming more and more popular, um, particularly within financial services and law actually as well, just to avoid, avoid any kind of discrimination over gender or ethnicity. And do you, do you personally think Blind TVs are kind of the way to go? Do you think that they're... I mean, it's a nice idea, mm -hmm. but in reality, the moment that anybody sits down in an interview, interview yeah. we hit, we're hit yeah. with the bias once again anyway. Right. Uh, the other thing that I'm seeing more and more um, is video interviews, okay, which again, yeah. um, there's a number of different systems out there, and again, the idea is to remove that bias, but mm -hmm. what happens is they're based on the idea of this perfect candidate, and organisations will... Uh, the, the, the company, the, the AI company, will go into an organisation, will look at their top performers, then will create this ideal perfect candidate, and then will monitor them through maybe a thousand or more different data points on their video interview to assess if they meet those criteria. Right. But if they're basing it on somebody who's already... Well, been yeah. recruited to you yeah. because of bias no, yeah. Yeah. But, but in theory it should work really okay. well but I mean I've, I've got a few question marks personally but in theory the idea is it will eliminate bias sure. the other thing that's really good for eliminating bias I think and, and I'm seeing more and more of it is gamification in the recruitment process okay. which is you know, getting people to do puzzles it, it, it's fun tech really like to see how testing skills and yeah, yeah but also I mean it creates games yeah, so, for yeah. example, uh, to see how they would behave in different scenarios, if right, they're a okay. risk taker, oh, yeah. if they're not. Wow. So be bespoke games and off-the-shelf games to really test the competencies and the skill set that organisations yeah. are looking yeah. for. Quite a fun way of doing it. And yeah. this, you know, that completely removes any does, bias, yeah. which yeah. is great. Right, thanks, Victoria. That was really useful in terms of um, the recruitment process. Can we learn a bit more about the interviewing um, element now? Yeah, absolutely. This is a real biggie for me, and you know, we run training courses on this that, that, that would be an entire day, so obviously I'm only going to be able to really touch on it here. But in most companies, the recruiter or the hiring manager still relies on gut feel right. in terms of whether they're going to actually hire a candidate. Okay. Um, and I've seen that in all sorts of organisations where you would imagine 
that they'd really have this sorted and they'd mm-hmm. know exactly what they're doing. Frequently, an individual will go in and they'll meet every member of the team and they'll meet the hiring manager. And if these individuals, these interviewers, have not been trained, they're not asking the right questions. Yeah. And therefore, they're not giving the opportunity, the candidate, the opportunity to really shine in that interview. Yeah. You know, ultimately, as an interviewer, our job is to feed the candidate with questions that will allow them to show you how good they are. And if you're not asking the right questions, they're not able to do that. Mm. The other thing that I see a lot is there's no layering to the interview process. So what happens is, because there's a lack of structure, five people might be interviewing one after the other, and they all go in and ask the same questions. Mm. Whereas actually, mm. one person's job should maybe be, let's see how they are technically. Another, let's see what their motivations are. Do yeah. they, what are their values? Do they align with our values? Yeah. What about their competence? How good are they with clients? So everybody should know what, they, what their role is as an interviewer. But generally, that doesn't happen. Mm. So that's a real issue that interviewers need to be properly trained. They need to understand the competences. They need to understand what they are looking for and what their role is to yeah. ensure... Uh, and they need proper metrics so they need a proper scorecard so that it's fair and equal in terms of scoring one candidate compared to another Mm. so that then at the end of the day everyone can reflect report back and reflect on who was the right candidate some candidates are really good at what I call flirting with the interviewer Um, they're just very good at gaining that rapport but they might not be the right candidate for the job whereas other people may be a little bit nervous and a bit shy they might be brilliant. So by ensuring you're asking structured questions and uh, ha- have proper way of, of grading that, those responses, mm. you can be sure that you're mm. being fair and actually hiring the best person and removing bias, actually, yeah. Yeah. as well. So can we talk a little bit more now around the importance of engagement and how we can particularly engage more women and ensure that we're g- giving them the career progression that they need? Absolutely. One of the things that's quite interesting with women in their careers, which which we see a lot, is um, Sheryl Sandberg coined the phrase career jungle gym. Mm. The idea being that we swing about in our careers. Men tend to be much more of a ladder, much more straight line. Mm. They start their career, they know where they're heading and they do all they can to get there. Um, For for women, in my view, it's more of a, a zigzag line because we often will we're the ones that have the babies so naturally we're yeah. the ones that are more likely to take a break yeah. um often also if you're good at your job you will get a tap on the shoulder and mm-hmm. be asked to come over here or move over there yeah. so again our careers are often a little bit more uh, varied like this jungle gym this idea of a jungle gym um, and then for what happens frequently is that we are in a job within an organization we're quite happy because we just get on with it and that's completely fine but actually we might not be in the best job for ourselves it doesn't mean we have to leave the organization it might just mean a vertical or a sideways move to a different function but at least that way we'll be retaining the women so one of the things that can really help is internal career coaching we go through a process with our clients our corporate clients whereby um, an exec coach or or one of my career coaches will will just spend time go through a program with each individual um, to talk through where they really want to be long term it's really an assessment of okay what's important to me what are my must-haves for my role Mm -hmm. maybe what am I not 100% happy with at the moment what could be better for me Mm -hmm. where can I find an environment where I'm just going to excel um, fulfill everything that I want to and and be challenged and satisfied in my career it may be that that individual realises that actually they're in the perfect role for them and if so brilliant but they'll 
hit that role with renewed vigour. Yeah. Or it might be that they realise they love the organisation, it's perfect for them, it gives them everything they want, but they want a little bit more of this or a little bit more of that. So by going through that process of evaluation, the individual feels that employer really cares about me, they yes. value me, they care about my personal career fulfilment and satisfaction, yeah. they want me to develop and succeed. Um, and equally, they'll feel happier. They'll be yeah. happier in their role. So it's all good. It may well identify particular training development needs for them. Mm -hmm. It may be that it throws up that they need a, a mentor or perhaps a sponsor within yeah. the organisation. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but either way, the, this is about retaining people and about ensuring they're really engaged in their role. And the best way to do that is to figure out if they're in the right role for them. Yeah. So just spending time, investing time in your employees particularly female, but the men, men need it just as much yeah. as we do. Yeah. Yeah. Um, am I in the right place for me? And yeah, that's how you will, will, will keep them engaged and help them recognise how much you value them actually as an employee. Can I just um, ask, in that sort of career coaching capacity, would you also talk about um, things that you would be looking to do in, in your personal life and how that would potentially factor into career progression moving forward? Absolutely. Okay. I, I mean, what, what happens is that the coaching relationship is a very safe, okay. confidential space. And that's why it's so important to use an external coach rather than somebody internally, right. because there's certain things, although you may be told it's confidential, that you may not want to share. But yes, it provides that safe environment where they can talk about anything. And it could be particular issues or roadblocks, things that they feel threatening. It may well be work issues. It may be things outside of work. It may just be that they have particular values that maybe don't or do align with the with their boss or with the organisation. And we can then work to tweak those and uh, uh, work on them with that. Um, but really, ultimately, it increases productivity. It ensures that the individual is happy, satisfied, fulfilled. So it's a win-win for everybody, for the yeah. employee and for the organisation. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and just gives them that time out actually, just to reflect on themselves. Absolutely. I don't know about you, but I know personally it's very hard to find time to, mm -hmm. yeah. to think yeah. about ourselves. We were talking about this earlier actually. Yeah. Life's very busy. It just and yeah. rolls right over you, doesn't it? To have dedicated time once a month where you can just go and think and talk and have someone listening and sharing yeah. and probing and asking you the right questions is incredible about yeah, how it makes you feel, actually. Yeah. Really yeah. incredible. And that type of thing really improves engagement across the business. Mm. Great. Well, unfortunately, I think that's all we've got time for today. Thank you so much, Victoria, for coming in and joining us. It's been a real pleasure. And if you have um, any corporate HR or individual career development needs, please get in touch with Victoria at citycv.co.uk and we'll have a link to that website um, with the podcast as well after this. Thanks so much for joining us. Thank you. Thanks, Victoria. Thanks for listening today. If you'd like to get in touch, you can do so via our Twitter account at Risky Mix. We'd love to hear your thoughts and questions. And if you know any inspirational women in the industry who you think would be great for the Risky Mix podcast, please get in touch. See you next week.